Welcome to the Way Community Podcast. Here you'll find various teachings and messages from within our community and also from guest speakers. If you're interested in finding out more about us, visit our website, the-way.com.au. We pray that this episode edifies you. here have gotten something so far. Let's, uh, quite, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, well, well. Looks like we're pretty much batting a thousand, except for those that probably weren't here yet. Maybe you're sitting here for the first time, having been part of the rest of the yesterday and this morning. Um, I've been kind of back and forth, actually, on how to go, what direction to go this evening. Um, one of the reasons why is because there's so much I could say and so much we could do. Like, do I want to tell you about formulas and equations? Do I want to tell you about mountains? Do I want to? (laughs) Well. Formulas and equations are even better. I promise. You know what? Uh, I mean, look, 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 look. The thing about that is it would be better if I had a whiteboard to do the formulas and equations and try to explain that. I don't have that, but I think mountains might work. Should we answer a few questions before you get in the mountain? Oh, there's no way anyone in here has any questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Well, we will do a few more, since my wife said so. Everybody give her a hand clap. Every morning when I wake up and look at her and she looks exactly like she does now, don't let anyone tell you any different, I think this woman deserves a hand clap. Okay, so, 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 so we'll start off with a few lingering questions, you know, one or two, from, from what has been put forth so far. Uh, now, what that means is don't ask questions right now about a subject I haven't opened up yet, because then I might skip mountains and go there. So <laughs> we'll start right, right here. Yeah, um, so you've talked a lot about our spirit. Yes. You know, like addressing our spirit and bringing our spirit to the surface. And sometimes, I think you might have said earlier in the piece that our spirit doesn't lie. Did you say that? Or am I miss... I might be... Yeah, spirit, spirit is pretty honest. Yeah, cool. Um, so what I'm getting at is sometimes we seek the Holy Spirit on things mm-hmm. and sometimes we address our spirit, it seems, in various types of ministry to try and bring about some healing. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the interface between the Holy Spirit and our spirit in that kind of... Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. So, um, this is actually not a very difficult theological question. Actually, it gets more complicated when you begin to talk about the interface between the Holy Spirit and the soul. So, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17... He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So, 
your spirit is a person that is simultaneously a realm that is transdimensional by design. Let me say that one more time. Your spirit is a person that is simultaneously a realm that is transdimensional by design. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I skipped right over as I was explaining some things, you know. I mean, there's so many concepts that eventually ground all this out. But the idea is that the Holy Spirit, when we are saved, goes into what is essentially a holy of holies pocket and fills that space that exists within our spirit. And so from that point, our spirit contains the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not become our spirit. Any more than when the dove descended on Jesus at his baptism, the Holy Spirit became Jesus. The Holy Spirit worked with Jesus through his whole ministry as he demonstrated what it looks like to be a manifesting son of God as a man. When that Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, we become one spirit with him. But it's the same idea of a man and a wife coming together and becoming one flesh. Let me explain. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, there are different words for one. And in the Greek, you have two words. One is mon, or mono, and one is hen. Mon means singularly, numerically one. That's where we get mono in English. It's a prefix sometimes. And so uh, monopoly, for instance, means that you own all of that type of business. There's no competition. Now, hen is the same thing, but it's not. Because in, with hen, it means one, but it has the connotation of a united oneness. In other words, when Jesus says, Have you not read where it is written, A man shall be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He uses the word hen. Why? Well, because I'm standing here. And my wife is standing there. Can you imagine if you got married and the husband became the wife and the wife became the husband? And you were like just smashed together one? Four arms, four legs walking around. Think about how bad that would be when you get in a fight. It's like time to go to your separate rooms. It's like, ah, ah, ah. This is a big mess. This is a disaster. It's not how it works. Now, it's the same thing. You know, when you look, read 1 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. It's hen. Same word. This carries over into the Hebrew as well. They have two words, ikad and yakid. Yakid is numerical one. Ikad is a united oneness. Right? So there's a consistency in this. And so this united oneness between your spirit and the uh, uh, this Holy Spirit is the state of the matter. And this is where some erroneous teaching has happened because some people have said, look, once you get saved, your spirit is perfected. You are just Holy Spirit in your spirit, and then you have your soul, and that's the end of the story. But not so because if you're, you know, 
if your spirit just became Holy Spirit, I promise you, you'd have a different experience in this life. It, it just <laughs> flat out. That's not the way it works. And that's what opens up the ministry to the human spirit. Because even when that our human spirit carries the Holy Spirit in that place, there's still the rest of our human spirit that we're having to contend with and for and so forth. Does that make sense? This is what happens. Now, is there one more question before I... I am going to jump into mountains, but... One more question that really just needed to get... Really. All right. All right, so we're going to talk about mountains. Mountains is a really, really cool subject. Now, how many people appreciated encountering your star this afternoon? Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Now, mountains are a manifold conversation and subject. When I, when, I, when I talk about mountains, I'm not talking about just one thing, okay? I'm talking about several things, and it's kind of like similar to stars. There, there are stars in the sky. There are constellations. There are ungodly tethers that can happen with these things, and finally we land at the idea that we have stars, and we went through the scriptures about that, that our spirits can connect with in the spirit world that encode our destiny and that we can actually engage with, sit in, drive. They follow courses and so forth, right? So there's different layers of this revelation. Now, it's the same thing with mountains. There are different layers of the revelation. And one of the places that I like to start the conversation when it comes to mountains is on the subject of what I would call the seven mountains, because this is part of a message that God has been using to transform the way the body of Christ thinks about our mission. For a long time, there was this basic perspective in the body of Christ. It said, you go out, you preach the gospel, you get people saved, and if everybody gets saved, you've redeemed the land. Everything's good, and everyone will now live in perfect harmony. We're learning that that's not quite how it works. We're broke before we get saved. We get saved. Some things shift, and then we have to deal with the rest of our baggage. And sometimes we are more successful than others, right? Um, I can point out many Christians that are thieves and robbers and uh, <laughs> people that do harm to other individuals and to show up on church on Sunday and claim to be saved. I mean, this is just all over the place. I, I, I once in my lifetime was robbed of $20,000. And that was done by a pastor. Let me explain. This is the way the world is. So we understand that we need a little bit more than just a salvation experience. God is actually calling the body of Christ to a higher level of accountability. He's calling us to a higher level of operation and to operate not according to a, 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 a broken paradigm that says all we need to do is tell people about Jesus. We have to be here demonstrating the government of God and his realm to the earth, bringing actual change to the systems that operate our societies and nations. Hence, we open up a revelation on the seven mountains. Now, this was initially downloaded by two individuals that 
were in the United States, Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham. And they were seeking God in the 1970s about a strategy. We need a new strategy, God. What are we going to do about the state of affairs? And God said, look, I'm calling my people to a new level of influence where we will begin to influence mind molders in society. So they outlined these mind molders. Now, how many people are familiar with the Seven Mountains here? Oh, whoa. Wow, so there's quite a few of you that are actually going to learn something. Oh, man. That's awesome. Great. So, <laughs> so sometimes when I go here, I feel like, all right, everybody's just going to be bored. And everyone knows this. I <laughs> can do the exciting stuff. So, so let me give you the seven mind molders that the Lord gave to them. Spirituality and religion. Family. That's number two. Education and technology. Number three. Government, number four. Media, it's number five. Arts and entertainment, number six. And business and economics, number seven. In other words, for a long time, the church has figured, hey, let's just camp behind our four walls and try to bring as much of the world as we can in this building get them saved. Now, God is saying, wait a minute, I want to equip you for an assignment in these mind molders of society so we can bring transformation on a large scale. Because when we go into the mind molders of society, we can bring in the governance of the realm we are here representing different idea of life engagement. That means you do not have to be a pastor or a worship leader or the pastor's wife to fulfill a heavenly calling. In some churches, unless you are the pastor, the pastor's wife, the pastor's kids, or the worship pastor, you're probably not fulfilling your purpose. So you just go and work your secular job so you can come in the house and support the pastor who's the actual man of God, while you are just a plebeian doing your due diligence. Kingdom thinking is completely different. Kingdom thinking means, wait a minute, we're going to take Jesus, his angels, his mandates, his power, his government, and his authority into the mind molders of our society. And I can execute my purpose for Jesus Christ in the realm of media. I can execute my purpose for Jesus Christ in the realm of business. And so now every aspect of our lives becomes an opportunity for the administration of God's government through us. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the book of Philippians chapter 4. So we talk about these seven mountains. And, 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 and this is the thing about this message, right? And again, we're going we're gonna to cruise right through this one and, and into another level. <laughs> now, what you need to understand is that Babylon, this is how I teach it, Babylon occupies the mountains of culture. Let me explain. How many of you know 
Babylon is writing the script that you get told is your news. It's a huge avenue through which a false reality overlay is created. You're told this official is actually an upstanding citizen. Fantastic. <laughs> I thought many of the United States presidents were upstanding individuals. Until I started getting into the work of SRA, mind control, working with MKUltra survivors and so forth. And they were the sex slaves of U.S. presidents that I was told to respect. But you can paint any kind of picture you want. You know, they, they, there's a story or, 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 or a uh, uh, saying, history is written by the victors. Socrates was not a good person. You know, um, so many figures that we're told to celebrate in Western culture, really, they're, they're, I mean, they're Freemasons, they're Satanists behind closed doors, or this, and we get this charade painted for us. We're told all these things in the news, and a lot of it's false facts. You know, the fa it's, it's another way of saying lies. And, and I'm not going to go through and, and start pointing out all the different lies and prove to you just how much of a conspiracy theorist I am. But, you know, the, 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 rea the reality is, I mean, most of us know we're not being told the truth. Right? And, and the thing is, um, this is one example. Babylon occupies the mountains of culture. They get away with this. Babylon gets away because the gatekeepers... The people that write the news, and in the United States, for us, that's the CIA, because we have something, I don't know. <laughs> our, our, our major news agencies have a contact at the CIA, and they get their stories, and they say, can we run this? Can we run that? What do you want us to say about this? Blah, blah, blah. It's called uh, Project Mockingbird. So anyway, I'm sorry, baby. You have to know. So, so, so here we go, Revelation chapter 17, right? We have, we, we have Babylon sitting on mountains of family, mountains of spirituality, mountains of business. Most of the major international corporations are run by people that belong to Illuminati families and bloodlines. If you didn't know, I told you now. Okay, Revelation chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven 
heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. See, so here we have the whore of Babylon sitting on seven mountains. Now, early on in my research into this kind of stuff, I was told, well, this is the Vatican because the Vatican actually exists on seven mountains. And here we have the Catholic Church with their number one export, which is banking, not religion. Also, they are, have an arm. It's called the Jesuit Order. They are the, like, like the, almost like the military order of the Catholic Church. And they track to some of the deepest witchcraft in existence. As a matter of fact, they are students of some of the deepest occult books that exist in the Vatican Library. Under lock and key, you can't even get to it at certain levels unless you are part of these orders. It's, it's incredible, you know, the kinds of facades we get in our world. But what I'm saying is... There are like 70 other locations in the earth that sit on seven hills or mountains. They're all over the place. All around the world. There's a whole bunch of them in the United States alone. And when I looked at that, I said, you know, maybe there's something deeper going on than an actual geography. Maybe these are spiritual mountains that the whore of Babylon is deciding to camp on. And it certainly fits. It certainly fits. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with the revelation that Babylon, the whore of Babylon, wants to rule the mountains in any given society and place their gatekeepers at the tops of those mountains. Why? So they can lock us out, and if they lock us out, they lock out the government of heaven. So the government of heaven cannot influence the mountains and the mind molders of society because the government of Satan and his employees are already sitting there taking up space, making decisions. Now, some Christians believe this is the way it's supposed to be, right? Because we go back to what we learned last night. We thought that Satan was given this world by God to run it. And our job is to survive this planet until we die sojourning underneath his rule. And then we had a shift. Wait a minute. Psalm 115, 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Remember, I went over the children of men. That's Adam, who had a son, sons, that, those were the children of man, and the sons of Adam's sons became the children of men, three generations out. Then we go a step further and we say Psalm 24:1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Show me where he gave it to Satan. He did not. He did not. So the lie that Babylon or the whore of Babylon belongs at the tops of these seven mountains is fraud. It's fraud. And as long as we, as the body of Christ, buy the lie, we are rendered completely ineffective, which is exactly what the devil wants. He doesn't want us manifesting as the sons of God and ascending to the tops of these mountains in order to bring influence to the societies we are sent into as instruments of God's purpose. Get it? 
We, so we, we get religious-sized and, and told we just need to warm a pew and go work a secular job. Like, we, we get so dumbed down. We, we, I mean, it's like the foot is just on the neck of the body of Christ, and we, we can't even breathe, suffocating under the weight of that religious boot. But this revelation is designed to liberate us from that. You know, this is the thing. Many of you sitting here, especially you young people, you could never understand your calling or your purpose under an old wineskin and model. You, you can't. That's why God sent you here. Because your purpose is for such a time as this. You are part of an arising generation that God is releasing into these things. The kingdom of God is supreme to the kingdom of Babylon. I don't know how else to say this. The only reason they're winning and sitting where they sit is because we have abdicated our privilege. I got one amen. Two hand claps. Everyone else is like, nah. I actually think that Satan enjoys being at the tops of the mountains, and I'd like to leave him there. Everybody said? Oh, okay, that's a little better. That's a little better. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, no, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's why we're here. Why am I helping you get your spirits activated? Because your spirits can receive scrolls, keys, open doors, execute warfare on levels your soul could never imagine in order to dispossess the enemy at these levels so that God can cause you to ascend into your ordained sphere of influence. You need to partner with your spirit because you know what? We, we're fighting from a position that right now positionally is an underdog position as the body of Christ. As the body of Christ for 2,000 years, we've been really messing it up. And so I believe that God wants to shift a whole lot of things in a single generation. Stop looking to the second coming as your day of grace. Start looking to today as your day to put your foot in the devil's groin. All right. Move on. Move on, Daniel. All right, so now we're going to begin talking about what I call the Believer's Mountain, okay? The Believer's Mountain. Similar to the star, there are mountains in the natural, and there are mountains in the spirit. Now, there are mountains that are mind molders of society, but there are also mountains that exist specifically in the spirit world, the second heavens, and so forth, and uh, they are places of government. Now, the Bible actually takes some time to ascribe mountains to people. It's very interesting. Psalm 30, verse 7. It says, Lord, by your favor you have made my mountain to stand strong. 
you hid your face and I was troubled. This is a psalm of David. He is actually making reference to his mountain. It's very interesting. Uh, there were mountains of Esau. Bible says in Obadiah 121, then Savior shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdoms shall be the Lord's. Judah was referred to as a mountain. Jeremiah 17, 1 through 4. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With the point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars, while their children remember their altars and their wooden images by the green trees on the high hills. O oh, my mountain in the field. All right, so... David had a mountain. Uh, Esau has mountains. Judah is referred to as a mountain. And this is what we learned about the spirit world. We have mountains that we inherit in Christ Jesus. It's fascinating. So we can go there. We can visit. And all kinds of things can be transacted on a mountain. Because it's a type of government, that mountain can be used to build a vision. Furthermore, the mountain can be ascended. And one of the interesting things about the mountain in Scripture is that when you ascend a mountain, the top is actually in the third heaven. But the bottom is in the second heaven, and it lands into this world. Meaning that with your mountain, when you learn how to use this resource, now, see, now I'm going deep. When you begin to learn how to use this resource, you can actually take your mountain and superimpose it over an assignment field and open up trade routes into heavenly places in Christ Jesus, imposing the government and jurisdiction of Zion. Oh, y'all missed that. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it... What the heck? Let me say this one more time. When it comes to a believer's mountain, it exists in the spirit world. Its top is in the third heaven. It descends down through the second heaven and lands in this world. Therefore, you can, once you learn what you are doing, take your mountain and superimpose it over your assignment field, opening up trade routes into heavenly places in Christ Jesus, imposing the government and jurisdiction of Zion. Now, it's so cool 
to, to, to deal with a mountain. And, 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 and one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to do, is, 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 would anybody like to be used as a demonstration to have an exploration of your mountain? Dan? Have, yes? Can I say something Absolutely. about that last point? Okay. So She's getting excited. I am getting kind of excited. So um, Dan actually, I'm the reason why Dan figured this out. He sounds really smart when he says it, but we, we, we were actually praying um, for Machu Picchu with Todd Weatherly's crew. And we were sitting there doing um, some intercession with them and their team. And he superimposed his mountain over Machu Picchu, which, you know, he, you know we knew to do that part. And I literally saw a vortex, this massive vortex, and all of these angels and resources coming through it. And I didn't say it at the time, I waited till, because I didn't want to interrupt him, but waited till it was over. And what we realized is that, um, and this is scripture, it's the top of the mountain, is, is in the third heaven, so it becomes like a trans-dimensional portal that you can pull resources through and um, another access point for heavenly resources and interface. So that's all I want to say before we do a demonstration. That, that was it? That was it, honey. All right, baby. All right. So it was a vortex, and then I saw these angels coming through to the spiritual landscape of Machu Picchu, right? Because, the look, we're on Earth. This is a spirit world on the other side of this on the Earth plane, Right? Right. So, but there's things that are happening in the third heaven, which is a much higher dimensional plane. So it was being pulled through. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking. I just said as she said that I thought straight away, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So, but I'm here on the earth. So I'm thinking that's there's got to be a parallel in that somehow. It's it's got to work with like that somehow because I'm here but I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and there are people who tell me to pray from the realm of I'm, where I'm seated with Christ do you see what I mean? see that's the spirit versus your soul right right, right? right. your soul is here but your yeah. spirit is yeah, right mm-hmm there are many par there, there there are many mm -hmm. there are many parallels but but let me let me, let me, let me let, okay before i do a demonstration right i'm going to let you guys get a little bit more excited for for a minute here but some of you are, I, I i can't tell if you're sleeping or processing <laughs> i want to cheer but i'm still thinking about what you said like 5 minutes ago <laughs> uh, uh, oh uh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, all right. I want to I I tell you a story. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, right? So there's a great cloud of witnesses, and they are engaged in heaven, in the third heaven with God where he is. Now, this is an interesting thing. One of the first times I was in, uh, ministering the mountain, right, I have somebody in front of me, and I say, okay, well, let's go to the top of your mountain. So your spirit's there, and they ascend the mountain, they go to the top of their mountain. And I say, what's up there? I said, well, there's a tent. A tent. A tent at the top of the mountain. In- interesting. All right. Well, why don't you go in the tent and see who's there? Oh, my gosh. Some interesting people here. What kind of interesting people here? Well, well, for one, Moses is up here. What is Moses doing in a tent at the top of your mountain? You know Why? Because once you get to that altitude on the mountain, you are in the third heaven. And so this is the realm of the cloud of witnesses. Any man might show up in your tent of meeting at the top of your mountain. You're throw a party. Now watch this. The Bible says in Isaiah 2, verses 2 and 3. Let's talk about wrapping it up in the word. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. See, Mount Zion is designed to exist at the tops of the mountains. And for us believers, Mount Zion as our government does exist at the top of our mountains. That we have received in Christ Jesus. So... When I say you can superimpose your mountain, opening up trade routes into heavenly places in Christ Jesus, imposing the government of jurisdiction of Zion, what I'm saying is you're using your mountain according to its function and design. Because its top extends there to Mount Zion. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, (laughs) right? But you have come to Mount Zion. You know, one of the problems that the church has is they think they're going to die and go to heaven. You get saved so you can die and go to heaven, to the sweet by and by. Get your apple pie in the sky. Deep fried. (laughs) Because because at least there it has no calories. So, (laughs) so, So everything shifts when we begin to understand that we have open engagement with heaven right now. Kingdom encounters right now. Angelic encounters right now. Courts of heaven right now. And clouds of witness encounters right now. It's all here for us right now. We sit here as a gate to the dimension of God right now. Now, there's so much confusion because we have so much bad teaching. And I go to some churches and I say, look, you have a mountain that extends in the mountain. Uh, that's heresy. You got to wait until you die, brother. That's not how this thing works. 
It's like, we're not reading the same book. Because the Bible actually says in Hebrews chapter 12, but you have come. Excuse me, Mr. Old School Pastor, Old Wineskin. You know, a wineskin went to the dermatologist the other day. Dermatologist looked at it and said, I could tell by your skin, you're old. You considered retirement. But you have come to Mount Zion to an, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church. Of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To the mediator, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling, which speaks of better things than that of Abel. The realm where Jesus' blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat forever is the same dimension to which we have come past tense that was established at our moment of salvation. That's the legal transaction. Now... Mount Zion is revealed in the New Covenant. It means a lot of things. Mount Zion is the location of the living God, the New Jerusalem, and the innumerable company of angels, but it sits at the tops of our mountains. And one of the things, and, and this, is, this is kingdom thinking. Again, what are we doing here? What are we here on this earth to do? We are here to bring in the government of heaven. Right? That's the message. Stop downplaying your purpose. Stop belittling yourself. You're not small. Well, maybe some of you are. But I don't want you to stay that way. I'm trying to help you grow into some of this stuff. Right? Um, Philippians 3.20. I said four before, but it's three. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? It's interesting. Okay. Who wants to explore their mountain? This guy right here. You did a great job. That's good. Come on. You can sit down. Go ahead. All right. 
Does anybody else think I'm making it up? <laughs> Let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. And then I, what I really want to do is I actually want to close this meeting by letting Todd actually, if he's okay with this, share some of the things that his spirit has been communicating to him the past two days. Because, you know, one of the things about gatekeepers is they typically have a few keys. This is about your whole city. Me being here isn't about me and my ministry and my platform at all. This is about your city and something God is unlocking in your community so that he can unlock his governmental influence into your city. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verses 14 through 16, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Say, God kicked him out and pulled you in. God kicked him out and pulled you in so that in Christ you could govern from a higher posture than he, your enemy, occupies. Top. We give him a hand clap. <laughs> I'm off. I just want to start by addressing what what Lockie brought. For those of you that are, um, look, for those of you that are part of the way community, you, you'd just be sitting there going, "Yeah, right on," um, because uh, you know him, you understand the context of of who he is and who we are. But for those of you that aren't in on the secret. I just want to touch on that first. Um, so Lockie's only been part of our community now for six months um, on the outside. Um, uh, as That might be long enough to get his head around perhaps calling and that sort of thing, but uh, I know that he certainly wasn't sitting in on my time yesterday with Dan. 
So I find it interesting that what he's bringing out and how that matched up with what the Lord spoke to me through my spirit yesterday. Um, we know that this is a young man that's got a call on his life. In fact, we, we are riddled with young men with calls on their lives and we're thanking God for it. And for the very reason of what God is calling us as a city into. Now we as a, as a city, there's a, there's a call and a destiny that's been placed on this city that's, that's generational. And it goes back uh, into the Cornish revival with a word brought over our city that it would be a city taken for God. There's a mandate that's been placed on this city to be a city recognised for the kingdom of God at work within it. But we have been generation after generation without seeing that fulfilled. Now, I believe that our generation is going to be the one to fulfil that. But... In, in order for that to take place, as my spirit put it to me, we need to stop pussyfooting around and actually get on with the business without making apology for what we're doing. So I, my, my experience... Uh, I found myself going up, we didn't even talk about this, but I found myself uh, being introduced to a throne. And when Dan asked my spirit, where is your throne? The place that I said that it was, was the sides of the north. Now, the moment I heard that, I wanted to start arguing with it. My soul wanted to start arguing with it because I had a doctrinal problem with what my spirit had just told me. <laughs> but, of course, Daniel just brought out, what did he say? That, that Lucifer was kicked out of his position so that we could be put into it. So does it it then stands to reason that there may be a throne in the sides of the north because the sides of the north was a place of government. So, uh, this is a bit awkward, right? This is a bit awkward, but he's asked me to, to share, so, so, I, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm putting it out there. The thing that I have to face is that now by, by the voice of not one, but at least four people who have, have come through ministering here have all called me to a position of gatekeeper in the city of Bendigo. So there, what, do, what do I do with that? Well, you can run away from it. I spent about 20 years doing that, trying to run away from my calling. I've worked out that doesn't work. Um, or, all you do is everything that God's got for you, he just keeps backing up and, and storing up and it builds up 
like builds pressure in your life like an abscess, right? It's just, like, this thing's got to get cleared, right? I, and so don't run away from what God's calling you to do. That's step number one. Face it. Regardless of what, it has, what it's going to be, you need to face it. So for a start, uh, there, there has, for those of you that have known me in the past, there has been apology for my calling, uh, apology for my gifting, and apology for my presence in the city of Benio. That's not going to take place any longer. Thank you. Thank you. All right, all right. (laughs) Sit down already. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So, with that in place, we we we've like like we have been learning, our scroll fits into a, into a greater scroll as a body of believers fits into a greater scroll for a city and for a nation. So I'm laying hold of my scroll. I ask you to do the same, to lay hold of what God's calling you to. And now, together, at the start of a new decade, let's go build, right? Let's, let's build, let's, let's start to actually lay hold of the calling, the destiny, the purpose, and the promise that's been laid up for us as, as a city. And as arrogant as it may sound, I, I just don't care anymore. I believe that I play a key role in seeing that come to pass. And so I ask you to join me and to join us in fulfilling what God's calling us to do and to not make any apology for it, to not walk away from it, but to boldly go and take what's rightfully ours. And if there was anything that my spirit wanted me to know, it was go take it. What are you waiting for? Just go get, go get it. And so there is, there is, there is, and for those of you that are visiting, I'm sure that you will actually affirm this, that there is a vibration, there is a frequency, there is a charge that is carried in this little group of people that is needed right now. And 2020 for us is going to be about taking that out of the shadows and bringing it into the light. And after, as some of you know, I was quite sick today uh, and it was during my my time with Daniel. We found out why for the past week or so I've I've not been sleeping well uh, because my spirit has been in the underworld of the city doing warfare night after night. And so there, there there has been a ramping up of warfare that's taking place in our city, and uh, on the pointy end of it, I'm, I've been hitting it. I want to, I want to say to you the, this word that came through Lockie tonight, brace yourself 
because victory comes through warfare. All right? Overcoming and victory comes through warfare. That means that there's going to be warfare to be had. So when there's warfare, you've got a choice. You can squeal and, you know, flee and run away or you join up, you lock shields. All right? Are you, you hearing what I'm saying? You lock shields, you don't walk away and you press in and take ground together. And I believe that the time has come for me, for Brit and I, to say to the city of Bendigo, and I'm not talking to the city, I'm talking to the city, Todd and Brit Hunter are not going anywhere. We will not be pushed out, we will not be ignored, we will not be squashed. Instead, we are here to take what has been given to us as an inheritance. And so this city is ours. And it is, right? Because we have been given governmental authority over this city. And as we let our vibration, our frequency, as we let it loose in this city, we are, the two things are going to happen. Number one, there is going to be a fleeing from us by those that can't stand that sound. Number two, there is going to be a rushing towards us because of that sound. Because everything that is about what we are doing is polarized by the, that, that engine room, that power source, the star that has been put over us, not just individually but corporately. And I, I believe that we are going to see such a polarization take place in this city and we are going to have our haters and, and let them do that but but I'm declaring to you that we're going to become a a body of believers that are loved by the unlovely because we are bringing about radical transformation in their life you know I was saying to someone today we don't stand divorced from blood and fire Right here we are in the Salvation Army. At, at one point in history, the Salvation Army carried a, a mighty fire in the nations. We stand on top of that, but I, I'm going to say it, and you, you don't realize, for everyone in the way would have been laughing when you're talking about old wineskins and, and that sort of thing, right? Because that's like, the, like a number one marquee message that I'm constantly banging on and banging on about. We are a new wineskin. And again, we make no apology for it. We are, we are doing it differently and we're, we're doing it differently because there are different people. There is, a, there is a different thing. Satan and his forces have moved on with what, what he's doing. And as the body of Christ, we need to do the same. And I want to say to, I want to, say to you folks, it's time to drop the old wineskins, right? It's time to let go. And actually, it, if you want to see something happen in this city, then 
get behind those that are actually going to go and do the job and actually lock shields and get in and be a part of it and see what God's going to do in this city. It is time for Bendigo to be rattled with the ground-shaking, earthquaking, revival power of the living God, the transforming, life-changing presence of his glory. And, and we, we, have been, we have been wrestled against because we dared to say that we want revival. Well, I say to everyone in this room and I say to this city and I say to every principality, power and ruler over the city of Bendigo, we no longer want revival, we're coming to get it. We're coming to get it. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I've had my little transformation this over the last few days. Believe you me. Uh, and I, I really want to encourage every one of you. Allow what's been spoken tonight to sink deep into your spirit. Uh, for some of you, you've heard concepts and ideas that maybe you haven't engaged with before. But the things that this couple are talking about, don't judge by what you think the Bible says. Because we're not told to do that. We're, we're told to judge one another by their fruits. Okay? And so before... Before anyone wants to set up a lynch mob for the stuff they've heard, which I don't think we've got a problem with that here, but I'll guarantee you now there'll be, you know, the, the second and third line out from people who have heard about this stuff. They, they might be willing to go, oh, well, I don't know if all that's right. Well, let me tell you, go judge the fruit. Stop trying to judge by what you think you know. Instead, judge by the fruit. And you guys... You guys, your lives are good fruit and you're bearing fruit right throughout the nations. And I trust that you've seen that you've already borne fruit here in Bendigo. In the, in, in the lives of the way, there are already people who have been transformed and changed. I, I, I know Jared is one that will stand up wholeheartedly and, and hear him. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if, if anyone wants any kind of, um, what, are, what are these guys really all about? I know Jared is more than ready to give account for and to testify for what they can, they can do for someone who's experiencing any form of bondage or, or strife. And I know Jared will stand up for them. I know there's others that have been studying their material. There were those that experienced their ministry last year. And there's been so much impact that has taken place on, on this community. That's why you're here. And when you come back next time, I'm sure you're going to have double the amount of people to... Oh, no, that's not enough, is it? Let's five times, ten times, yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, we'll, we'll just book out the Bendigo Stadium for him, eh? Does that sound good? Yeah, all right. Come on, can we all stand? I just want us to close by 
Let, let's just take the, some of the things that we've learned this weekend. Just close your eyes. Begin to engage with the Holy Spirit. Call your spirit to the front right now. Just as we saw with Lockie, I want you to take a moment to listen to your own spirit. I might get Britt if you can just jump quietly on the keys. Let's just, I want you all to take a moment to listen to your own spirit and hear, hear what your spirit has to say to you. What destiny, what purpose, what things has the Holy Spirit been speaking to your spirit about that you haven't been listening to? What has he got prepared for you? this moment for everybody in the room. But if you've heard something directly from your spirit, can you just raise your hand? something from the Lord. Just raise your hand. You can put it down when you... I just want you to indicate. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. do two things to finish tonight first of all let's just give one more round of thanks to Daniel and Christian and before you go tonight I want you to get together with a buddy and share with them 
Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to you through your spirit. Share with them. Don't just let it be a private thing. Share it with someone else. The spirit of prophecy is released when you share what God's been showing you. Go for it. Take a moment. Good night. God bless. We'll see you next time.